Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm delighted and privileged to welcome not just a very, very dear friend and a fellow YPO member, but an incredibly successful technology entrepreneur, Anis Ahmed. Anis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. My pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Anis is the president and founder of Mistral Solutions Private Limited. He's a golfer. He enjoys sailing. He does windsurfing and he plays poker. And as I just mentioned, he's a fellow IPO member from Bangalore, India. So Anis, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Okay, Ashutosh. I think uh, when you see all these things, difficult to pinpoint three. But when I think back, I think there are a few that really were a turning point. Mm-hmm. One, one when I was about 18, I became a national champion in rifle shooting. Oh, wow. So that actually gave me an entry to join an engineering uh, college. It gave me an engineering seat because being a national champion in the sports quota, I could get a seat in uh, engineering. Right. So that really helped. I think that was one turning point that, you know, my career moved to the engineering uh, side or I could get an education in engineering. Okay. And then there are always some good and some bad. So I think there was one bad experience. I had a previous entrepreneurial venture mm-hmm. about 23 years ago where the other partners cheated us a lot, you know? So that, we had to get out of that and that gave birth to this company, Mistral. Mm-hmm. So I think something bad made something good happen. So definitely that was also a turning point in my life and in my career. And of course, I think uh, my two girls. So it makes you change your perspective in life, the way you think and look at things. So when I had my two girls, so I think uh, they have made a big change in my life too. Oh, wonderful. So these three, I would say, are my top three. And what, what wonderful milestones. Fantastic. So Anis, now let's talk about Mistral. Yeah. Tell me about this venture and what you do there. Okay. First uh, and foremost, Mistral is a tech company. In India, we have this pers- uh, you know, uh, perspective that everything is an IT company. I, we I did that mistake as well, and you corrected me. Yes. No, because we are not an IT company at all. We are a completely a technology company. Okay. Uh, just to give you a little background, we started with about 16 people. Mm-hmm. This is what you call a typical garage startup. We were like about 5 lakh rupees of investment between three friends. Mm-hmm. And that's all the money that we had between three of us that we could invest. And uh, in those days, we worked with a few defense lab and some US customers and we grew from there. Mm-hmm. Today, we have about 400 R&D engineers wow. and we do some of the most complex designs and we do electronic design. That means we do hardware and software and a little of mechanical and product design. So we are like nothing to do with IT. Okay. You might be using IT. We, we use technology. So we use computers, of course. <laughs> but, uh, IT is like uh, the infrastructure that every company uses for us. I agree. So, you know, you, you said that you started with uh, 500,000 rupees and yeah. today you are 1.7 billion. Yes. Tell me what were some of your challenges as you built this business? Uh, great question, Ashutosh. Uh, if you look at it, like I said, we were like a very, very small startup. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we had 500,000 rupees. Out of the 500,000 rupees, 300,000 rupees we had to give as a security deposit for a place we took okay. to the landlord. Because that was our little office that we started. So we basically had 200,000 rupees to run the business. So we barely had any money. So one, we had to generate business for month one to survive. We were not like a funded company or anything. So month one, we had to generate revenue to survive. And in those days, we couldn't even afford 
to buy our own proper computers. So what we would do is we'd go to the local market, we would buy motherboards, hard disk, monitors, and we would assemble a few computers every month because for the 16 people that we had in the team, we did not have 16 computers. People would share computers. And then every month we would go and assemble two, three of those computers. And then I think it took us about four or five months. And then everybody had one computer each to work. And then uh, one of the thing is we learned from our past company's mistakes. We said what bad they did, what wrong they did, how they treated their people and their employees. We learned from that. And one thing we uh, was very critical was I realized the team was key. You know, so we always treated our employees like family. Mm-hmm. We gave away about 30% of our company share to the team members. Okay. This may be one of the largest ESOPs in the country. I don't know of any other com- uh, in the any other company in India that has given away like 30% of its uh, uh, you know stock to its employees. Mm-hmm. And all of this was given at par value. Wow. I mean, wow. this is not even at some you know discounted value or anything, at par value. And with this, we gained loyalty. And today I have people with me who have been with me for 25 years, 23 in this company and a couple of years before in my earlier company also who were with me. So this, I think, was a big learning. And uh, so team was key and how we treated our people and key people and we you know, made them part of the family. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I learned early was customer focus. Mm-hmm. You know, we never let down any customer. Mm-hmm. We have even taken orders and executed them at a loss because somebody had come, made a commitment that, yes, we will deliver this. Because I know a lot of companies walk away from deals and saying that, you know what, this is going to make loss. I'll want to cut my losses. I'll walk away. Right. We right. never walked away from a single order due to any problems. Mm-hmm. Many times we made mistakes. Uh, employee may have given uh, overcommitted, but we technically never failed. And even if there was a commercial issue, we delivered. Mm-hmm. So the brand Mistral stood strong for one technical capability and then for commitment. And we had, even though we were a small company, we had a very professional approach and we acted like a really, you know, professional company in all our uh, dealings. So that I think really helped build our brand too. So, you know, uh, you built a very, very strong technology company. Yes. Technology, as per my limited understanding, is, uh, has a short lifespan, you know, because of the continuous changes that keep happening. Yes. So what uh, does it take to stay on top of technology in a technology company? I think very well put, uh, Ashutosh, there. Because, and especially in our area, in our domain of technology that we work, which is a lot with silicon and computers and all that, mm-hmm. our technology changes every few months. Correct. So one thing is we work with some of the top silicon companies in the world, be it uh, Qualcomm, NXP, Analog Devices, Texas Instruments, or Cypress, all of these. So we are always abreast with the latest technology. Since we work with the silicon companies, we are aware of what silicon is coming one year, two year down the lines. Mm-hmm. So we are working with them at early stage, even before the silicon is released. Uh, so that, um, well, that is one aspect. So we are aware of what silicon is coming and what technology, what capability is coming, what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Then we work with product companies where the silicon is being used in some of the latest generation products. So we are already doing designs. It could be wearables, it could be you know uh, gadgets, it could be defense electronics and all that. So we are always aware of what is the latest the customer is asking because we are doing the designs for them. Mm-hmm. Since we are doing the designs, we are always uh, you know abreast of the latest technology, the latest uh, communication thing, the latest uh, USB ports, or latest graphics, the latest processors, the latest silicon, the latest mm-hmm. AI chips. So we are working with all of them. So we're learning as we go. Hmm. 
and you know started uh, you were you went into defense and security yes what took you into these two sectors which may be large but must be very very difficult to get into yes yes so what happened here i think this is a very interesting thing i started my career selling computers i used to work for this company called protec computers pcl yeah. doesn't exist today yeah. in those days there was this, there were only a few big companies and all there were like hundreds of small companies so my customer that i was allocated were defense labs mm -hmm. so i would sell them these computers and i would realize that when you are selling them a computer there would be 50 or 60 companies vying for the deal of that computer Correct. so i realized computer just didn't make it so what i for realize what i was trying to see was what were these guys using the computer for somebody was using it for data acquisition somebody was using it for some control system somebody was adding something and you know using this computer to do something mm -hmm. so what they were doing i tried to understand i would like read up a lot of stuff on technology and i would try and bring those pieces along with my computer so i could sell my computer to them mm -hmm. otherwise i was competing with 50 the moment i added something to that computer i became like you know one or two of those companies that could supply that mm -hmm. so i understood defense requirements and what they were doing and that slowly led me to get into this defense business because it was not about the computer anymore it was what they were doing it was simulation or controls or some data acquisition or some flight avionics and controls so you know that's how i got in it's it's quite amazing i mean because you started to create a value add in a generic computer which everyone yeah. was selling Yes, it was more about the value add. It was not my computer sell anymore. It was that solution sell along with the computer. Amazing, and you discovered it twenty five years ago. That is quite yes. amazing. So, Anish, uh, you know, you just said that you were doing uh, cutting edge technology, including variables and other devices. Yes. Uh, how much of this is your original innovation, and how much of it would be as an OEM? See, a lot of the engineering is all our innovation. The, I, many of our ideas have come from our U.S. customers or global customers. They come out with a concept. We make that concept a reality by actually converting their idea into a product. Mm -hmm. So we would make this product, you know, a complete idea they would uh, have, and we would make it into a actual prototype, and then make a product that they could take to production. But uh, in defense, what is happening is our customers have been working with us for the last twenty odd years. we have seen what they've done in the past so many times we go back to them and say you know what we have done this we can now do this for you in a better way in a smaller way or you know it will function uh, give you much better features or uh, productivity or whatever so there we go and innovate and go back to them and say we can do this for you so that's uh, that's a learning from the past that we apply and so there is a lot of joint ip we will have so you want to be filing a long we you know what one of the things i've realized is in our kind of work in the defense uh, patents really don't work because you're giving away your idea because in defense everybody is building their own unique products they're not really going out and selling a product so if i put it out there somebody will see and learn from it and go and build their own product because i will not even know that they would have used it if i have a patent and if i cannot uh, track it and protect it it becomes a little difficult maybe more in the consumer space and commercial space it's uh, applies but since a lot of our work also goes into the defense we are not really filing much of the patents there very interesting so when i was reading about you you know you had decided that you're going to merge with an organization called access kids yes and then the deal did not go through my question to you is that 
what was why did you want to do this and what were your learnings great you know every experience good or bad is always something that you learn from it this has been a really like a bad experience for us we learned so we trusted this company when uh, we had i had private equity investors and their fund life was over and they wanted to exit so at that point in time about 3 years ago i started looking for an alternative buyer who would be interested in my company and we were a very profitable company very you know cutting edge in the technology so a lot of people were interested so i trusted this company because i knew the person there and we decided okay you know what we will uh, do a deal with them but they've been unable to pay us in the last 3 years they kept lying to us you know kept delaying they kept making hundreds of promises you know they, uh, we had more than 100 meetings i have more than like a couple of 100 emails that i have sent them saying that you know guys you, you, this is uh, you know past the time you're supposed to pay us you're supposed to pay us they paid us for one phase and they did not have the money to pay us for the balance phase they were a public company their stock tank now suddenly when their stock value has gone down they were not able to give us the stock because they had to give us more stock in case they had to meet the value that they had agreed Right. so they kept buying time and oh, after 2 years after we were chasing up they go and file uh, arbitration pe- uh, petition saying that we have delayed the whole process actually we are the person who have to receive the money and they go and telling us that we are delaying the whole process okay. one of the things that we learned to have everything clearly in writing and keep the deal structure simple because these people complicated the deal structure for their convenience and we supported them and that complicated matters so one thing i've said is somebody does a deal keep it very simple leave no gray areas for interpretation and you know the legal system in india is really bad it just drags it can go to arbitration then it can go to high court and then it can go to supreme court it can take you anything from 5 years to 15 years uh, you never know yeah. so i think having things clear keeping the deal structure very simple mm-hmm. is something that uh, i have learned at least and i would advise anybody doing it keep your deal structures very simple So right now I'm still hoping the arbitrators will see the facts of the matter and rule favorably. So I'm right now in arbitration. So that's going on. So while we continue, remember it sucks up a lot of your time, and you're not able to do your uh, you know handle your customers and your main uh, company affairs, and you're you know spending all your time in legal paperwork. And that can be very painful. Yeah, painful. So moving on, Anish, uh, you know you have led a company for for a long time, built into a very large company. You dealt with people leaders all over the world what according according to you are some of the key qualities a ceo should have okay a ceo or a leader i think i would say uh, some of the thing that i would look at i always like to see the big picture you know people some people have this habit of going into so much of details they lose a higher uh, you know overview i see sometimes people put up a report and you know they do so deep dive analysis and they don't have a one page summary of it if you just ask them a simple question or they'll have to you know sit and analyze i said have your data but always have a big picture uh, overview of it and uh, you know at leadership level you know balancing team dynamics you know everybody is different people have to learn how to handle these people the business leader always has to be business oriented you know you take business decisions and not emotional decisions you need to learn how to harness the good of everyone everybody has some good qualities bad qualities right. learn how to harness the good and not harp on the bad of people so for me i think positive energy is very important in a leader i have never seen any leader with negative energy surviving or succeeding right. so always having positive energy is very important and what what is your leadership okay uh, i have a more easy going leadership skill i would say you know i don't like to micromanage i give a lot of independence to my team mm-hmm. i don't stress on the small stuff 
I always say, no, don't stress on the fluff. Mm-hmm. I try to focus, I tell my team, focus on the top three issues. You know, the 10 issues, identify which are the top one, two, three and fix them. If you fix them, 80, 90% of your problem is solved. You know, basic uh, business uh, 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 skills. Uh, I believe very strongly in building a personal and a strong network, business and personal network. For me, in this EO and YPO, have really helped. I have built relationships and friendships with my customers, which have gone you know, beyond business relationship. Today, you know, when I travel, I go and stay or we meet up with uh, friends who are actually my old customers or some business colleagues. I've always believed in building relationships and retaining relationships. And I always understand that everyone is different. It's all about how I leverage or how you leverage their strengths. Mm-hmm. I don't like dealing with hypothetical issues. People have saying, oh, if this happens, what about that? You know, I said, when that happens, we will look at it. Look at problems that exist today, handle the problems. Let's get into hypothetical situations. Oh, this may happen. Lockdown may happen. I said, if it happens, we'll address it. It affects everybody. Mm-hmm. But let us address issues that exist for today. Very well, sir. And, you know, you hire so many people and you said you already kept, you. some people have stayed with you for 25 years. Yes. What do you look for when you hire someone? Okay, one, what I look for is a good positive attitude. The person should be self-motivated, not that somebody keeps telling him what to do. The person should take thing, take the initiative. He should have that energy. You know, you see energy in people, this good energy. The people are team players and they want to go and get things done. They don't want to come in with problems. I don't like people coming to me with problems. I like people who have gone, there's a problem, they've addressed it, solved it, and come and tell me that, yeah, this problem was there, I've taken care of it. One thing I've observed is, Somebody good in sports, I've always wanted to take these kind of people because I've, uh, I've observed these guys are good team players, they're self-motivated, and they get things done. They, he may not be the most qualified person, but with the techni- sports background, I've always found they are people who deliver. They are team players. Okay. Uh, one more question before I move to some questions for you personally. You know, uh, you said you have two daughters, there yes. must be Gen Zs or Millennials. Uh, this is the age of the Millennials and the Gen Zs. They're the yes. people who are going to inherit the earth from people like you and me, even though you're much younger than me. What is your view on how the Millennials and the Gen Zs are going to handle the technology business? Yes, I'm so happy you brought this up. You know what? Because a lot of new technology coming, you know, AI, you talk about machine learning. We have to adapt. There's new technology that is used, like for example, some of the most advanced technology is your cell phone, which is available to you for like you know 50,000 rupees or you know it's five, seven hundred dollars. Now, those technologies can be applied in other industries. What goes into that can go into industrial, defense, enterprise, all these kind of things, the way you know user interfaces are there. Mm-hmm. One thing I've been telling my legacy customers, you know, defense when a product project goes on for 15, 20 years, I tell these people. When you have an idea or a concept, let that concept design come from somebody who's 25, 28, 30 years old. Let the older people be there, but the concept of how that product should look, how the product should feel, how should somebody use that product, how easy it is to use that product should come from somebody who's like 25, 28 years old. Let them do the design. The engineering implementation can be done by anybody. The management decision can be taken by anybody. But that conceptual design should come from a younger mind. Uh, I keep telling people, product should be very easy to use. You know, engineers design products where only an engineer can use it. 
Correct. But what I never realize is that a product is used by the layman. Like I'll give an example in my own company. I tell people when they come and say, oh, you know what? We've done this really complex design. I tell them, you know, go show it to the security guy who's sitting in the front. Let him see it. Let him come and show it to me. Mm-hmm. If that guy can understand the product and show it to me, I understand how easy and how good it is to use. So adopting these new ideas, new technologies, which come from the younger generation is very, very, very critical in legacy systems. Otherwise, you have this huge product with a big manual that you have to read this manual to use the product. Today, you give your cell phone to a five or seven-year-old, that five or seven-year-old will run through that cell phone menus and features easily. That shows you how products have to change over time and everybody has to adapt to that. So, Anis, I'm now going to move to the last segment of the conversation. Yes. Which has some questions for you. Sure, great. My first question is that for someone who's built such an amazing business, what are some of the core values you believe in? For me, I think it is integrity, commitment to a word given. I've always put others before myself and building long lasting friendships. Okay, that's amazing. And uh, a follow up question to that is that for someone who was a national champion, in drive for shooting, someone who went to the engineering college, built an amazing business. From where you stand today, what does success mean to Anis? So, okay, success is, I think, I mean, you build a lasting organization. You've given opportunity to a lot of people to build a better life for themselves. You've built leaders along with you, you know, so you've built a team. You've given them an opportunity to become leaders. And of course, when you succeed, you get some basic personal comforts for self and for family. There's no doubt about it, which is great. Okay. And the next question is that who or what inspires you? It's not, I would not say just one person, I'm saying a lot of people. You learn little things from everyone around. Mm-hmm. It's how you assimilate that information and adapt what is good for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have time for two more questions. Yeah. The next question is on failure. I have, in fact, a, a new book on failure releasing today. Uh, and I've often said that People in India or South Asia or maybe Asia don't teach children it's okay to fail. Yes. You're always told, come first, go to the head of the line, etc., etc. And that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. Yet we fail. So my question to you is, Anis, what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes? See, I have a very simple belief system that learning never ends till you die. I'm a strong believer that you never stop learning. You keep learning. You know, you make a mistake, you learn from it. You never make that mistake or you never repeat that mistake. I always tell people, make small mistakes, you know, learn from them, never make big mistakes. Nothing goes to waste. And there's one thing like, if I regret in life, I don't regret anything normally, you know, nothing. But one thing I regret is some places I should have been more pushy enough to do certain things that I wanted to do for myself. I'll give you a good example. Almost eight, 10 years ago, I wanted to do Bitcoin because some friends pushed me for it who are early promoters and evangelists of these Bitcoins from YPO, for example. And they were telling me, Anis, just buy these. I said, yes, I'll do it. I wanted to buy Bitcoins of about 25 lakh rupees, which was, I think, about in those days, maybe some forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. I could not do it from India. There were a lot of restrictions. And, you know, I could not do this transfer of money to buy. But I just, I, maybe if I tried hard enough, I could have done it. I let it go. Again, I met these same people. And they said, Anis, have you done it? I said, no, let me try again. Another time, Bitcoin had gained some traction, had gone to like $100 or something. And then US banks were putting some restrictions on how much you could buy per day. And again, I, I tried it and I said, you know, for a couple of days, and I said, you know what, leave it. And I just feel 
I wanted to do it. I should have pursued it and done it. If I'd done it, it would have been like $2 billion of Bitcoin that I've been sitting on today. <laughs> and I feel, you know, shit, I missed that bus. So if there was something that I wanted to do, I had decided to do, I should have pushed it and made it happen. Amazing. Amazing. And this was a personal learning. Amazing. And my last uh, question to you now, and this is for the thousands of people who will watch our conversation and listen to all your words of wisdom. What would your advice be to a young entrepreneur who's starting off on her or his journey um, in, in this world now? Yes. I think you have to be self-motivated. Don't expect things on platter. And people always talk of luck. You know, I always tell people, the harder and smarter you work, the luckier you get. So, you know, so it's all about hard and smart work. And, you know, in the initial years, you have to really slog it out. You know, you'll fail. It's okay. Don't get disheartened. Just go ahead and do it and build relationships. Ultimately, business is done based on relationships and the networks that you build. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a good relationships and network, it's not easy to build. So I think the relationships and network is very key to succeed in life. Anish, thank you so much. You know, it thank you, Shatosh. Just speaking to you. I mean, there are new things I've learned about you. For example, I've known you for so many years. I didn't know you were a national champion. And, you know, thank you for such an amazing journey that you have shared with us. I wish you lots and lots of success. Thank you. Thank you, Ashutosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.